I was born in Kamloops, British Columbia, Canada, and at the age of six years old, we immigrated to Seattle, Washington. Okay, so you're based in the U.S., but uh, from from Canada. Tell us about your faith journey. Were you raised in a religious household? No, not at all. Um, my my father was raised in the Catholic Church, and uh, once he got married, uh, I don't really remember ever going to church, but um, I had a little brother named Troy who was born with cerebral palsy, um, at birth, so the doctors had stated he would never walk, talk, or take an education, and my dad just wouldn't accept that. So being a success, successful businessman, he was able to pay for the best doctors and you know what medicine could do. And at the age of 10, my brother was walking and talking and taking an education, but um, he died in a drowning accident. And that just threw my parents, obviously, into grief and into a tailspin, and so my dad began to drink heavily. Uh, about eight months after that, nine months after that, a good friend of his invited him to a businessman's luncheon. And he thought, oh, well, that's a good place to, you know, kind of get rid of this hangover. He didn't hear full gospel businessman's luncheon. So the long story short, the second week he went, he accepted Jesus and it radically changed his life. And uh, when he came back to his office, his executive secretary looked at him and backed into the wall and said, what happened to you? Because it was so evident with the transformation and the glory of God on him that she recognized it. So he led her to the Lord. When he came home that night for dinner, he walked into the kitchen where my mother was cooking dinner. And she looked at him and did a double take and said, you got saved. And then when I came home from school, from uh, my sports program, I looked at him and knew God was real, and I went in my room and asked Jesus into my heart. So that was October of 1973. And uh, since then, I've been pursuing the Lord with all my heart. So through your teenage years following Jesus, did you, uh, did you stay strong or did you fall away? Oh, no, there's always, you know, part of the process of growing up into him is making mistakes. Nobody is is exempt from that. So, no, I, I can't say I was perfect in all that. I did make mistakes. I did have problems. I did struggle with what most normal kids struggle with. But but always, the, the, the desire of my heart, the passion in my heart brought me back to the to the centrality of, of everything in the gospel. And the Lord in his mercy and grace kept me in that process so that I wouldn't be lost to the world. And so I was never, I mean, I would have tough times, but I was never so far gone that it was, uh, you know, just a slight deviation, which is not good. But 
you know, for a month or two, and I, I, I just couldn't. I just couldn't do that. And tell me about your career before you got into ministry. What, what did you do when you left school? Oh, my goodness. Um, I, uh, I spent 10 years in the military. I've worked for Boeing as a systems analyst, and uh, I've also, uh, in the tech, IT, uh, as well as writing uh, quality assurance programs for different companies. And then I did work in uh, Christian broadcasting for a number of years. My first degree was television broadcast, so I worked uh, with TBN in Southern California for a while and various other places. And what was your role at TBN? Oh, when you're at TBN, your role is everything. So you're <laughs> directing and lighting and audio and, you know, set design, everything. Wonderful. And uh, tell us about your marriage to Reshma. Reshma is the love of my life. She's my heart. Uh, she was a gift from God. And uh, she's from Fiji. And... Uh, Frankly, I, I had been married once before. That was part of the moving away from God and coming back. And long, long of that, uh, the short of that is that my uh, ex-wife found another man and took off with him and my two children while I was serving in the military. And so, so I, I, uh, I had made a determination I was just going to follow hard after God and stay in that place. And uh, the Lord spoke to me one day while I was ministering in Fiji and spoke to her. And he said, that's your wife, and told her, that's your husband. And uh, it's been absolutely awesome. She's a treasure. What a, what a wonderful story of uh, God being a God of second chances, huh? Oh, yeah, second, third, and fifth, you know, <laughs> yeah. He's merciful, isn't he? He is, absolutely. And uh, tell us about your message. When you travel, when you speak, uh, you're out here in Australia at the moment. What's the message you're bringing to our nation? One of the things the Lord's really put on my heart is, and he spoke this to me in the year 1999. I was pastoring up to that point, and he said, and I knew from the age 17 I was called to the nations, so it took a while. But he said, I want you to prepare the way of the Lord and provoke God's people. And I said, what do you mean by provoke? He said, my people have learned to sit and be a spectator rather than to arise and be a participator yeah. to provoke them to enter in to the Christian walk and the Christian life, not just to be a spectator. So that's my passion. And tell us about where the Lord has opened doors for you around the world. What nations have you been to? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, all over Europe, uh, Central America, all over Asia Pacific. Um, there, there's so many nations, I don't know. Uh, years ago, he put it on my heart to write. I, I never thought I could write. I, I just, you know, um, that was not one of my favorite subjects in school, but I love to read. And so about uh, nine years ago, the Lord said, I want you to begin to write. So my first book came out about seven years ago, Promise of the Third Day. And okay, that was wonderful. But then the second book came out and I, there was something had shifted in me after the first one. So the second one was the prophetic promise of the seventh day. And Sid Roth of It's Supernatural got hold of the book and invited me to come on the show. And uh, he's a wonderful guy. And uh, we hit it off. Well, when my next book, Gazing into Glory, came in, he had me back again. And that opened 
so many doors around the world that it's been absolutely nonstop. My wife and I once in a while get to go home and see that we still have a house there, but uh, we're always traveling the world ministering for the Lord, and I wouldn't have it any other way. I, I, I know in Australia the Lord has been doing something. We've been coming here for about six years. I have seen the spiritual climate begin to increase and the, the hunger for intimacy with God increase. And I, I begin to see the stirrings, if you will, of a great awakening about to take place in this south land of the Holy Spirit. So I'm encouraged every time I come at what the Lord's doing in this nation. I'm excited about that. And, you know, we are so blessed to have, uh, you know, great men of God like yourself coming to our nation and so many of them that come to Australia say, yep, we believe Australia's on the verge of a great move of God. And uh, there's uh, a lot of prophecies uh, saying that revival will come out of the Aboriginal uh, Indigenous Australians in the centre of Australia. Have you had a chance to travel around different parts of our country? Uh, yeah, we've been to Sydney, uh, Melbourne, over to Perth and Albany. Those are about the two, ma- the, the four major places, but... Um we're looking forward to a little bit more. We've got invites. We just have to have the time. But, I, you know, as far as the Aboriginal, the same thing is happening in America. The same thing is happening in other regions of the world, that the least in the kingdom, if you will. God's about to elevate and do something extraordinary. And uh, I'm excited to watch that. I have some very dear friends that are Native Americans that have moved powerfully in the things of, the, of God and the kingdom of God, and they're beginning to see the stirrings of tremendous awakening and revival among the First Nations people there, too. So I'm not surprised the Lord has been speaking that. I expect that everywhere I go, because the first will be last and the last first also. So I'm blessed to hear that, that the Lord has been speaking that. And I hope the Church embraces that. Absolutely. It's uh, so important that we, uh, as, a, as a nation, you know, what is it saying, 2 Chronicles seven fourteen? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray... Seek my face, turn from the wicked ways. I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. And uh, that's part of our heart here at the radio too. We're just believing that as the the gospel message goes out across the airwaves, people will feel the call of God to get on their knees and pray and fast and and see revival coming. So, so tell me, as you're traveling around the world, are you seeing outbreaks of revival, pockets of revival? Uh, what what are the nations where? you've seen the most fruit recently? That's a good question. You know, we, we're seeing small awakenings, if you will, small moves of God. And I, I've been a student of the history of the moves of God through church from the beginning, and, and I love studying revivals and moves of God. One day the Lord said this to me, every past revival you have ever studied or heard of was nothing but a birth pang. Mm. Because what I'm about to do in this generation and this hour is a culmination of all of that and more because it is the last great awakening. And so over the course of the last 15 or 20 years as we've traveled, we've begun to see the movement of God in in the lives of individuals. The first thing you see is a a greater hunger and passion for God among people. Now, I call that the remnant because it's not everybody. Then you begin to see a crying out, Lord, whatever it takes, we're, we're willing. Whatever you want to do, we're willing. And from there, you begin to see the Lord move in, in extraordinary ways. And that's the danger point right there, because when something begins to happen, the flesh of man wants to take control of it. 
And that's that's a dangerous thing. And, and so what I've been seeing is in the midst of that, we're seeing the Lord teach his people how to keep their hands off and yet how to walk in the fullness of what he wants to do. And that will sustain the move of God. We have some dear friends in Ireland that for the last eight years have been in consistent revival because he knew that the Lord said to steward what's happening, not control what's happening. So they've stewarded it, and that means they require an uh, inquire of the Lord every day. What are you saying for this day? How should we move forward from here? That's a safe place. So yeah, I'm seeing that begin to spring up all over the world. One of the funny things to me is everywhere I had traveled around the world for a number of years, people would say, the Lord told us the last great move of God is going to start here. I mean, now, that's kind of funny because everybody's saying it. And I finally said, Lord, have you not quite made your mind up? What's going on? <laughs> he said, every one of them is accurate because I'm gonna, it's going to be spontaneous around the world. No man will t- be able to take credit. So I'm seeing it here in Australia, too. I'm just reminded of that quote I heard years back that uh, revival runs in rivers, not canals. Because oh, canals are man-made, but rivers are made by God. And we've got to we've got to be wise with the way we steward a move of God, don't we? Oh, very much, very much. But he's he's giving he's giving leaders that type of wisdom right now, because they've thank God many of them have learned from past moves and past mistakes. I heard someone recently say that this this last great move of God we will see apostolic mothers and fathers raising up spiritual sons and daughters. Do you want to just speak into that for us? Yeah, that's an interesting topic. My wife uh, teaches a lot on women in ministry, and um, so there's there's two sides of that coin. Some that say, oh, women can't be apostles or pastors or all this, and, and then the other side that says yes. And I, you know what? If God can use Balaam's donkey, <laughs> if God can call us the bride of Christ, which includes men, and call us sons of God, which includes women, why do we get into a theological debate about something so ridiculous? We're on the same team. We're moving towards the same goal. Let's recognize the gift within each one of us and move forward. So I believe with all my heart we are an apostolic, prophetic generation at the end of the age, just prior to the return of Christ, and that's what we're called to raise up, apostolic, prophetic people. Not everybody will be an apostle or a prophet, but everybody will be able to flow in a measure of that type of anointing in ministry. So I say amen to that, and I'm seeing it happen. We're seeing children, young adults, elderly, awakening to their destiny in this hour because the Lord has raised up genuine mothers and fathers in the faith to encourage and equip and release, not because of age, not because of uh, achievement and education, but because of this calling of God upon a life. And and it, it's going to happen much quicker now, much, much quicker now, because it's really winding up or winding down, depending upon which way you want to look at it. But I'm encouraged again with what we're seeing. And I want to challenge everybody that's listening. Every person who was born again has a call of God and has a profound destiny right now. And we should all arise to that. One of the lessons the Lord taught me years ago when I was still a teenager, he told me, if you're willing, I will be your able. And if you make the choice, I will make the change. And over the years, as I've realized what he was saying, that's covenant. In my weakness, he's my strength. In my ignorance, he's my wisdom. 
and we have to come to that place of dependence. Even Jesus himself said, I can of my own self do nothing. He understood the principle. And so as those who have been blessed of God to have a a, a place to minister, we have to encourage others. It's total dependence upon God, being led of the Spirit, and God calls all of us, not just some of us. Well, I was just reminded of a quote from Pastor Greg Laurie, who recently said, a lot of people think, people think things are falling apart, but things are actually coming together in these end times. And uh, I'm uh, just inspired by chatting uh, with you today. Uh, we've been talking to Dr. Bruce Allen uh, from uh, a, a wonderful ministry called StillwatersInternationalMinistries.com. That's the website if you want to check it out, StillwatersInternationalMinistries.com. Their passion and focus in this hour is to prepare the way of the Lord by training, equipping and activating the body of Christ for the work of ministry. I can certainly hear that uh, as we've been chatting today. I can hear your heart today. And uh, I reckon you're a history maker, Bruce. Thanks so much for your time. I thank you so much, and God bless you, and God bless Australia. Thanks for joining us on History Makers. If you'd like to listen to this interview again, just go to historymakers.tv. There you'll find links to Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can subscribe to our iTunes podcast or check out our YouTube clips. And you can find out about History Makers TV. We are a faith-based ministry and we appreciate every donation. You know, the vision of History Makers is to share the good news of Jesus Christ to the nations of the world. If you'd like to partner with us, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless you. Have an awesome day. I'm Matt Prater. And why don't you go and make history? History Makers. History Makers is proudly sponsored by Bible League, who serve the local church and other partners around the world by providing Bibles, scripture materials and training to help people meet Jesus. They provide God's word to a lost and needy world. Bible League plants Bibles in prisons, among persecuted Christians and in poor nations, bringing the love and light of Christ into many people's lives around the world. Make history today by joining our friends at Bible League and planting a Bible that will help someone meet Jesus. Go to bl.org.au. Station sponsor.